Hey, what's up, my friend? Today we are going to talk about how to create a strong family. What does that even mean, and what does that entail? I'm joined by Mel Hashi, who, with her husband Joe, has created a really important mission of helping parents raise confident, independent, and resilient children in a strong family environment. They call it the Strong Family Project, and she's going to go over the seven elements to establishing a strong family and how we actually put each element into practice. She's been married for 17 years and is a mom to three boys, five years old, 11 years old, and 13 years old. So she's kind of in lots of different stages right now. So whether you have a little ones or whether you're going through the teenage years, or perhaps a bit of both. You'll find a lot of application for your life, and this is going to be an episode you'll want to go back to over and over again. All right, friends, so let's get into it. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to welcome Mel Hashi. So we are going to get into each of those seven elements. Mel's going to share uh, each one briefly. But before we do, let's um, establish a little more context, a little more understanding. When we hear strong family, that can be uh, interpreted in a number of different ways. What does it mean to you and your family? It's interesting you ask because we do own gyms and we do work out together, but it's really not about physical strength, even though I think that's an important component to health. It's really about being a strong family unit, having strong relationship relationships within the family. So it's about the strength of the unit itself, not like physical gym strength, so to speak. Yeah. So that's really where we came from. We struggled with what to call it, honestly. But because we have like the physical fitness background, it, it you know, it felt natural to us to use that word. And honestly, mm-hmm. I think it it's a very strong word, if that makes sense just to use the same word. Um, I think it it's exciting. Like I want to be a strong family. Like you yeah. could say, I want to be a great family or I want to be a positive family, but mm-hmm. strong is just deeper somehow. Yes. Yes. I completely agree with that. To me, it's, uh, it, it reminds me of something that can't be shaken. Like, like yeah. you're, you know, brick foundation, that's strong, whether you're yeah. going through, you know, a valley or a high season or maybe, you know, siblings fighting together, husband and wife fighting together, you still have that strong family foundation that will carry you through it. So that's what I see in my mind when I think, you know, here's a strong family. I love that. And what that reminds me of, so we we are a Christian family and I love that verse in the Bible about like, you need to build your home on mm-hmm. stone not yes. on sand. And yeah. that's really also a piece of it. Yeah, that's that's so one of my favorite verses as well. I think it's in Matthew, probably sprinkled throughout the Bible. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes, I love that too. Um, so Mel, let's get into the seven elements to establishing a strong, strong family, starting with picking family core values. What does that look like? So this really is the foundation for the entire path. So it's what allows you to figure out what is your family about? What are you going to fight to stand for? And then it's a great filter for any decisions that you have to make. So mm-hmm. just quickly, the the process that we went through, and Joe took this from business because businesses have mission statements and core values. Mm-hmm. And I think those businesses that tend to actually utilize those in day-to-day decision-making tend to be more successful. So he and I separately over a matter of a week or two wrote 
wrote down any kind of value that we find important. And it can range from spirituality to be to love of reading, to being adventurous or anything like that. And then we came together and went through the list. And our goal was to make it short. So three to seven core values. And every single thing we wrote down was important, but you, you can't stand for like a hundred things. Like right. you really have to be able to whittle it down. And what's memorable is portable. So I really wanted it to be something that I could go out somewhere and someone could say, hey, what are your core values? And I could list them versus like, well, I don't remember because we have like 20, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So right. I want the kids to be able to remember them. And once we whittled it down, and that took a lot of deep discussion, which brought us closer because it really is a matter of like, we're two individuals, but we have this family unit. And what are we about? What do we have in common that we're going to stand for together? Mm -hmm. So we came up with um, be grateful. So it's really important to be have gratitude, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, be genuine, be adventurous, which is like getting outside of your comfort zone, uh, wanting to be together not just like living under the same roof, but actually being together, uh, personal accountability and personal responsibility. And that's ours. But the cool thing about this is that every family will have unique core values. Mm -hmm. And uh, we actually wrote them down and we have them like up on the wall. We had them on the table for months and months and months until the kids learned them. It's not just something like, oh, that was fun. And then you just kind of fade into the background. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. How do you involve your kids in that? Like, did you say, okay, we're going to talk about this. What do you think our core value should be? Especially when you have really young ones. Uh, if your youngest one is five, he must have been, what, two or three? Like, how do you involve all the kids and make sure that, hey, we're going to do this together, get on board? Yes, very good question. Uh, I think it really depends on the ages of the kids. So when we created ours, our kids were probably about two and four. We only had two at the time. Mm -hmm. And they really wouldn't have been able to understand what we were doing. So after we came up with the the concept, and ha I had typed them up like onto a little um bookmark because I wanted it to be able to like be around the house and we would discuss it at dinner every night. Mm -hmm. uh, we shared it with the kids and started to just make choices that aligned with those values. And even mm -hmm. at our family meeting, which we'll talk about later, we started out by saying, what's a way you've embodied a core value this week? So it's always top of mind. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. if, if you have older kids, like if let's say you're doing this when you have a teenager, I think it's amazing to include them in the process. So like mm -hmm. earlier, I mentioned my husband and I made our lists, have the, have the kids make a list or have a family meeting where you kind of like throw around ideas so that they have more buy-in because mm -hmm. certainly mm -hmm. it's tougher as kids get older. Older. Yeah. Um, and also it's kind of set in stone for us now. We've been living with these values for a long time, but if you're new to it, try them on for size for a month. And after mm -hmm. a month, like get together as a family and go through and say, is this really what we're about? Maybe we can switch something. So there is flexibility there. Mm -hmm. But I think the older the kids are, you can get creative with involving them. Even if, um, you have little ones, you have like a poster of them. They can color the poster. So they're a piece of the mm -hmm. creation of this process. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that. Um, second piece is a productive morning routine, which I think just sets up the day effectively, right? So uh, what does yes. that look like? Sure. So the goal of this, the mindset we have is that we want our kids to wake up with purpose. We don't want them to just roll out of bed and groan, which they still do, <laughs> but they, they yeah. wake up and they have certain things that they need to accomplish. So in our family, we, they do a quick little five minute workout. Now, is that going to necessarily make them super strong? No, 
but we want them to start that habit and getting the blood flowing first thing in the morning wakes you up for sure. And then they all come into the kitchen and they all have a contribution. So we use the word contribution, not chore. I think chores mm. are just historically so negative yeah. and we want each of the kids and each of the pe- per- people in the family to feel like you bring value, you contribute. And they do things like unstack the dishwasher or peel the bananas for the morning milkshake or whatever the case may be, but they contribute. And now that they, I think it's really important to use that word contribute. Yes. And then af- after that, they do a morning journal. They write down a couple things they're thankful for, a couple goals for the day. And when they complete all of that, then they can use like a tech time before school if time allows. But it's it's like this really interesting like process in the kitchen where we're all kind of on top of each other, but everyone's getting their job done. Mm-hmm. Everyone's contributing because they understand if they don't do those things, like someone has to do them. Like, mm-hmm. I have to do everything. And that's not really how a family system works. Right. Yeah. And I think everyone ends up having a sense of fulfillment and achievement in the morning. It's not just at the end of the day. Right. Yes. That's a great point. You start out with some wins already. Mm-hmm. And even with little ones, so my five-year-old, his job is simply to open the freezer for the older one who's putting the new ice trays in it so they don't spill, right? It's just like a little something that he can do so he Mm -hmm. feels like he's part of it. Yes, yes. Um, Third, family meetings. Oh, man, this one brings me back to my (laughs) childhood because you you just hear a family meeting and you're like, oh, no. (laughs) Exactly. What you say here is family meetings that kids love so what is that? Then our kids really do. And they call us out if we happen to miss one. So like you mentioned, family meetings historically are just like, oh, this yes. means something bad is happening. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like, and they're kind of like dread. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, hey, kids, we're moving. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a great that's a great question, because what we do is, first of all, they have to be consistent. So we've created this situation where on, we try to have dinner as often as we can together. And Saturday is just our more, most consistent dinner. So we do it during dinner on Saturday. So it's not like it's on top of that. It's called habit stacking. Like we already eat together, so we might as well just tack this on and do it at the same time. And we kick it off by my husband simply saying, everyone's going to share a way they embodied a core value. So let's say um, one of the kids did an extra hike that week. We have like a trail behind the house. They could say, oh, I was adventurous this week because I chose to do this hike. But we all find, we all share something that we did to embody a value. Or you switch it up and you say, I'd like you to point out something somebody else in the family did that week so that we notice each other and what we're doing. Like, hey, mom, I noticed you tried a new recipe. Were you trying to be adventurous and not give us the same food over and over? So you can, you create those relationships by showing, almost complimenting each other. Mm. And the next step, and just if you have little ones, what we used to do is we had them draw a picture of something that they did or our five-year-old. Yeah. When we started this, he was, you know, very, very little. We would just have him in the room or coloring or playing with something. So he's still a part of what's happening. Yeah. And then we move on to discussion topics. So this is kind of neat because anybody can bring up a topic. It can be like the schedule for the week or an issue that's come up like, Hey, you guys are using your tech time too much. Or I don't see that you're reading 15 minutes a day. Like we discussed. And really my husband and I will set the expectation. So success looks like you reading 15 minutes a day. How can we get you there? And the kids 95% of the time come up with the solution. So they have, they bring value. They're contributing they're being a part of like a highly organized 
or a high functioning meeting because they're actually showing up and saying what they want to do. It's not just like mom and dad are telling you what to do. It's Mm -hmm. not at all like that. And honestly, I almost all the time, they come up with the solution. Mm -hmm. So that's why the discussion topics are really kind of fun because the kids feel like, yeah, I get to talk about what, what I want to. And then I get to come up with a, I get to problem solve. That's an important skill for life to be able yeah. to problem solve. Yeah, which I think um, is such a good segue into the next uh, value, which is confidence building goal setting systems. Because by having them think of solutions on their own, they're building that confidence, right? So what else yes. goes into that step? Into the goal step? Mm-hmm. So every, every year we uh, sit down and we create like a family or individually we draw a picture of what we want to accomplish that year. And it can be like, I want to start to read more books. I want to lose some weight. Or for kids, like it might be something like a project they want to complete or something they want to learn about. And we set up that goal for the year. But we understand, even when adults do this in like January, right, you have like a resolution. Oftentimes you just lose track after a while. So at our family meeting, after the discussion topic part, we actually set the weekly, the goal for that week. So what can you do this week for seven days that'll get you closer to the goal? Maybe it's, you know, do 10 push-ups a day. My, my son is working on his first football season. So he works on his football stance for five minutes a day. It's just something little that pushes you closer to that goal. So it's not just like this far off dream of something you hope will happen. It's like actionable right now. And we keep each other accountable at dinner too. Does everybody do their commitment today? So it's like a nice reminder to get it done. Use still a few hours in the day to get that done. Yes. All right, my friend, I'm taking a quick pause here because I know we've covered a lot so far. So I just want to go over the first four principles that Mel has shared so far. So first, picking family core values. Number two, productive morning routines. Number three, family meetings that kids love. And number four, confidence building goal setting systems. All right, let's get back into the conversation. Yeah, so the next one is family dinner plan and conversation topics. I think you already uh, gave a little bit uh, of color into the conversation topics that are had. Um, family dinner plan. Are you talking about food here or, um, or what do you mean? It's really family dinner is really just having a meal together. So mm-hmm. for us as a family, when we used to live in New York, my husband was always at work. We never ate dinner together. So when we moved, we made that a priority and we all look forward to it. And we, you know, just learn how to wait for everybody. We don't start eating until everybody's sitting down. And no matter what's happened in your day, whether you were at school or at work or whatever the case may be, there's an expectation that we can be together for these 20 to 30 minutes or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be. Mm -hmm. So it's just time together. And another, it's another opportunity to work on those family core values. So we go around and share something we're thankful for from the day. Our littlest actually gets to choose the order of who shares what they're thankful for. So he's that's his way to contribute. Mm-hmm. And it's just another way to kind of rehash um, what the values are. Because honestly, I grew up where we would watch the news during dinner. Mm-hmm. Like that's what it was, that there wasn't time to come together and, and chat and just be together, even if it's kind of quiet, mm-hmm. just time together. So that one is kind of simple, but I think it's so important to try to have those times together at the table. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, I know it can be really hard. Sometimes it's really hard for me because, you know, because I need to debrief after cooking a big meal or for my work day, you know, I need a debrief to just sit and eat 
just myself sometimes. So (laughs) I think that can be hard. But, you know, on the flip side, when we are able to have everyone at the table and, hey, how was your day? Was the favorite thing that happened for you? I mean, such amazing things come out of their mouths and you learn so much about who they are too. I mean, especially with uh, the kids going back to school and making new friends, being in brand new classes. I'm learning a lot about, you know, my daughter and my son who are in um, school and my little one still you know, in the same class as he was last year, but you know, it's uh, there's a lot to be learned for everyone. Yeah. And I think it, someone might say, well, there's no way we could have dinner every night together. And that's not really mm-hmm. the point. The point is yeah. to be intentional and find time. Maybe it's like when I grew up Saturday morning was pancake morning. So we'd make pancakes together. It's just finding time together uninterrupted to be together and, and learn those things. So otherwise you're not going to learn those things about what's happening in your kid's day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Number six, evening debrief for kids to be heard. I love this one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> this one kind of organically came up. So I put my five-year-old to bed and then I go into the other room where my 11 and 13 year old are. And I just happened to notice that This was the time that they would bring up those sensitive topics Mm -hmm. from the day when some kid was mean to them or something happened at the at recess. And I thought Mm -hmm. to myself, if I don't make this a priority and spend this time with them, because at that time it's like nine o'clock and all I want to do is go to bed. (laughs) The day is gone. (laughs) You know, it's so hard to, to want to want to sit there and just be present for them at that moment. But there's actually this thing. I used to be a therapist for five years and it's called the doorknob conversation. So you talk to them for 45 minutes and just as they're about to leave, that's when they bring up like the deep thing that should have been brought up like 40 minutes ago. So the evening debrief really is an intentional decision to spend the extra time with your kids at bedtime because they might need you as just a shoulder to cry on, as mm-hmm. someone to help them problem solve. And oftentimes I'll ask my kids, I'll say, you know, you're sharing this problem with me. Do you need to just share the problem or do you actually want some help solving that problem? Because sometimes mm-hmm. you just need to complain, right? right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as parents, we just want to like jump in and solve it. Yeah. Well, I like, just tell the kid this or just do that or whatever. But sometimes they just need to be heard. Sometimes they just need you to sit there and listen and just acknowledge and validate their feelings. And that's really what that time is for. And it's really special. And yes, sometimes I come upstairs at 945 because it was a long conversation. But if you put it off to the next day, they might not bring it up to you. And when they truly are going through something difficult, they might not come to you because you haven't made the time previously for them. Mm, Really, really good point. And then the last one, home relationships to be mindful of. What does that entail? Sure. So when you think of family, you know, we are a unit as a family, but within that family, there are so many relationships. There's each person as an individual. There's the couple, the, you know, the mom and dad, there's um, the kids as as a group, like I have three boys. So the way they are together as three versus like twosomes, you know, like yeah. my oldest with my youngest, it's all different. Very different. And then also each parent with each child. Mm-hmm. So the way I am with my oldest is different than how he is with my husband. So we just recognize that having this kind of mindset and like always having almost like a pulse on how things are going within those relationships. That's Mm -hmm. kind of my role in the family. I'm good. Maybe it's my therapist background, but I'm kind of good at noticing when one of the relationships is suffering. So I'll Mm -hmm. notice at dinner that one of my kids seems kind of more sullen than usual. I make a note to myself, like maybe I should take a walk with him after dinner and kind of see what's up. 
Or if there's two kids, two siblings are bickering more recently, maybe there's something that needs to be kind of figured out there. So it's just having your mind open to the fact that there's a lot of relationships within the family. And for the adults too, there's times my husband's overwhelmed with work and he'll say to me, like, I need a few minutes after dinner by myself to kind of recoup. So mm-hmm. he's got to take care of himself too. So just being aware that there's all kinds of dynamics within a family. It's not just the family as a big unit. Yeah. Yeah. I think these seven elements are so amazing and it's irrefutable that they will create that strong family as individuals, but then as that family unit, as you said, I love that it in, it weaves so much open communication between you know relationships across the entire family. Uh, I just think this is so amazing. And the fact that you're constantly talking about it, because kids, even parents, adults can be super forgetful sometimes, but (laughs) as you're constantly talking about it, it becomes second nature. Um, You know, the way you act or the way you do things or the way you even think about things, approach things, I think all will tie back to, you know, the core family values that you've created because it's been so intertwined into your daily lives. That's what exactly. I love. It's, it's just become who we are now, mm-hmm. you know, because we've been just practicing it for so long. And really, I see it when I'm raising kids, they're going to be adults someday. And I think sometimes as moms, we don't want to, I don't want to think about that. Like I tell my yeah, five year old, scary. Can't, can't you just stay little like just and he's like, <laughs> my, bo- my body does what my body does. And it's just cute. Um But I try to keep that in mind. He really is. Um, Like for my 13 year old, I mean, five years from now, he'll be 18. And you don't just wake up one day. I hate thinking about that, but you don't just wake up one day and and know how to be an adult and Mm -hmm. just know how to problem solve. So we're trying, we're almost training them to become successful adults. Yes. That's really our purpose with all these things. And they, they might, hopefully they'll get married someday and they'll have their own kids. And I would love for them to create their own set of core values but they'll only do that if I show them an example now. Yep. Yep. Definitely. That is the end of part one of my conversation with Mel. And there was so much good stuff there. There's so much we can apply to our family lives. And so that's why I'm breaking up the conversation into two parts. I want to give you a chance to really soak in all of the wisdom Mel shared today and maybe start you know, figuring out and thinking about how to apply it to your own family. You can get a copy of those seven elements over at strongfamilyproject.com. Next week, Mel is going to be back on to talk to us as moms. What are her best tips on how to be a fully present and intentional mom? Because applying those seven elements does require a lot of presence. It does require a lot of intentionality. So what can we do as moms to be that for our families? And when we can't, be that. We are way too overstimulated. We just need a break. Okay, what do we do then? And how do we get over those feelings of mom guilt that will inevitably show up? So follow Mom's Grab Coffee on your podcast app. And if you know anyone who also is desiring to establish that strong family, share this episode with them through your podcast app, or you can send them to momsgrabcoffee.com. All right, that's a wrap for today. Join me again next week for a cup of coffee with a side of faith, wisdom, and hope.